Welcome back to the Fitness Simplified Podcast. I'm your host, Kim Schlag. Now, whether you want to lose 10 pounds or 100 pounds, listen up. An incredible woman named Mary shares her story of losing 100 pounds, including practical tips on what she did daily, a bit of tough love you need to hear, and how buying a pair of pants at Target changed her life. Mary and I also discussed how a recent post of mine caused her to rethink her lifelong membership in the Clean Plate Club and how you can do the same thing. And as if that is not enough, we talk about her recent experience of tackling a serious case of gym intimidation. All right, let's get going. Episode 31. Hello, Mary. Thanks so much for joining me here today. With me today is my friend, Mary. We are, fr- we are online friends who have now met in real life and super glad to have her on here to talk about some things that we've been kind of going back and forth about in my comment section and DMs. Mary, thanks so much for being here. Hey, I'm so glad to be here. I'm so excited. <laughs> I haven't talked to you since Austin, so. <laughs> I know, I know, since we met in real life. We've just been right. <laughs> So, Mary, tell us all a little bit about you. Okay. Well, um, I am in my 40s and have five kids and a wonderful husband. And two years ago, I, as far as fitness and nutrition related, I'll try to keep it on that level. Um, two years ago, I was, or a little over two years ago, I was 277 pounds and exhausted and tired of just feeling like garbage all the time and it's kind of a long story but I bought a pair of pants at Target and they changed my life (laughs) wait Um, tell us us the cliff notes version of that (laughs) that's exciting (laughs) so um so long story short my husband four years ago lost a very good job with the federal government uh suddenly and unexpectedly and so for two and a half years up until that point, um, I had basically been unable to afford like food. Like we went on food stamps during that time. And so buying like full price clothes never happened during that time period. And I was shopping in Target one day and there was a super cute pair of like workout pants. And I was like, I really want to buy those but they're like $30 and we don't really have $30 like that was like a quarter of my food budget for seven people and so um I kind of just hemmed and hawed about it and I was like you know what screw it I'm gonna buy these pants <laughs> and I did it without asking my husband because at the time you know we were so tight on money that you know kind of needed to make sure it was okay but I didn't and when he came home or like before he came home I was like okay I'm gonna have to like I can't buy these pants and just lay around the house in them because they're exercise pants So I tell him, (laughs) so if I tell him when he comes home that I have a plan to exercise in these pants, he'll be more forgiving, like about me spending this money on them. So I put on the pants, like I took the tags off because, you know, can't return them once the tags are off. And I put on the pants and I greeted him at the door. (laughs) And I was like, guess what, honey? I found these awesome pants at Target today and we're going to start running. And he looked at me and he was like, nope. <laughs> nope. I didn't buy pants. He's like, exactly. He was like, I was in the army. I don't run. Like, I don't run anymore. And so, but 
being the wonderful man he is, he obliged me and that kind of started us on our nutrition and exercise track that we're on now. So that's amazing. So Mary, how much weight have you lost? I have lost a little over a hundred pounds. I kind of, um, I kind of bounced between like losing 105 and 100. Like I, I kind of have maintained at around 100 though. So that's incredible. That's incredible. Uh, so, do you mind telling us like how did you lose that weight? That's a that's a, um, <laughs> that's a loaded question because everybody wants a, a magic answer. But unfortunately, uh, it's going to be the same answer that everyone else who knows what's up gives, and that is literally a calorie deficit. Um, we did exercise. We faithfully um, started running three times a week, and which I hated. Like I'm not a runner, mm. and you know through the inner circle when somebody asks a cardio question, like, "Do I have to do cardio?" I'm like the first one to be like, "Nope, no. nope, you don't." Nope. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so we did that. We ran faithfully three days a week for three months. But I was doing like a couch to 5K like on my phone program. But what would happen is we'd get to the end of like the 30 days and I'd have to like go back to the beginning because, and, and basically what would happen is I got to a point where we would either have to start running faster or further. And I didn't really feel like doing either one of those things. So we kind of, we kind of, <laughs> we kind of talked and I, you know, at the time money was still a little tight and I had been following um, Jordan and Susan for a while um, and I asked him if there was any way we could afford a gym so that I could lift because that looked really appealing to me. Um, you know, no cardio really. And like, I, you know, it's like the, you know, Susan, you know, Niebergall looks buff as hell. Like I wanted to look like her. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. so like just seeing that and, and not just them, but like seeing other women, like really lifting, um, you know, appealed to me. So our, the first gym we joined was a planet fitness. And then we kind of grew out of that in a couple of months because they don't have any barbells there. So, um, so we, we kind of, we work out at the cheapest place that we could possibly find in town. And for us, that's the why it's nothing fancy, but, um, it gets the job done. So yeah, so we're, we're lifters now, I guess. And, and you <laughs> like it. And I love it. It's one of my favorite things to do. I mean, I might not always be motivated to do it, but I go and I do it and I always feel better when I do so. Yeah. And, and you work out early in the morning, right? Yeah. We start, when we first started, we would go in the afternoon, but, um, because I started working in the afternoon. So when I started working at the job, I only worked for like two hours in the afternoon from like two to four. And by the time I got done, it was just too late with like trying to get dinner on the table and kids getting home from school and all of that stuff. So um, we started going really early in the morning. So we go as soon as they open at 5 a.m. Wow. That's, that's diligent. Yeah. <laughs> Respect for that. So look, let me ask a follow-up question about something because People are going to hear that and be like, well, wait a minute. What exactly did you do? So calorie deficit, right? That's the mm -hmm. end. That's what you need to do to lose fat. But how did you sustain that? That's, it's really hard. A hundred pounds yeah. lost is hard. So it's simple, right? It's really easy to know like, okay, I have to get my calories in check. But the hard part is actually the day in, day out doing it. So what were some of the things that helped you to actually do it? So, um, well, the, the first major thing that helped me was the realization that I didn't have to cut out entire food groups in order to succeed. So I had spent a lot of my life 
very heavy. And I would do like low carb, no carb, you know, every sort of, or like you can't eat fruit or you don't eat, you know, whatever the flavor of the moment diet happened to be. And yeah, I would succeed for a little while, but then I would say to myself, but I want to eat normal. (laughs) And I would, you know, I would eventually like go back to how I was eating before. And I never really learned how you could work things like, a, you know, a donut, which are my favorite, or pizza, or, you know, into a diet. To me, it was, you had to, you either were bad or you were good. And so that was the first good realization for me, that I, that I was, that it was totally possible to eat normal, quote unquote, all the time. Yeah. And still lose fat. So that was the first thing. And it took, a, I'll be honest, it took a level of trust hearing that because we we hear the opposite so often. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't, it doesn't that, feel real sometimes. Like, wait, how can that? Right. Right. Like, how you, that can't be possible. Because when I eat donuts, I get fat. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, because I ate six at a time. <laughs> <laughs> like, not, that, you know what I mean? Not like, it's not the <laughs> fact that I ate six of them. <laughs> right. Exactly. So it's, it, and that, and that was the problem that I wasn't seeing. I was like, it was just donuts were the problem, not, not the quantity, you know, it couldn't be the quantity. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. So that was the first thing. Um, things day to day that were helpful for, t- to me were, was definitely tracking. I know that people will hear that and be like, Oh, you know, so tedious, but, um, I, and I will tell this to people if I talk to them in, in person that, I never tracked what I ate before, like ever. I literally started tracking to create, to help create the deficit. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't tell you like an exact number that I ate every day. But if I like what, knowing what I know now about portions and calories, I probably consumed between 4,500 to 6,000 calories a day. Wow. Which is, which is a lot. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and, you, and you were just so, totally unaware. Yeah. I mean, I just like, we as a culture have really no idea what actual portions look like. Like what we think is a portion is so skewed compared to what it actually is. Yeah. And weighing, weighing food, not just measuring, but weighing food was so eye opening for me. Um, and even now I will still occasionally do it just to make sure that I'm, you know, I don't, I, you know, I don't do it every time, but you know, I, even now I'll make sure that I'm kind of still looking at it realistically because he, not doing it for a while can kind of, you can go back, you can fall back into those old patterns pretty quickly. So, yeah. But um, so yeah, so counting calories, uh, I use my fitness pal. It's a pretty easy to use app, but there's tons of them out there you can choose from and um, weighing food for sure. And then not eating out as much, like, which our budget didn't allow us to eat out a whole lot um, because of what was going on on in our life at the time. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, it, so like, really like once a month. So that helped a lot. Like when you can't eat out, (laughs) you know, you can't accidentally consume thousands of calories in one sitting. So, um, so that was super helpful. There's just lots of hidden calories in in eating out that, you know, we don't always realize regardless of what the menu calorie count says. So it's true. Um, that and like, oh, and, and just, and then the last thing is, is mostly just learning how to eat stuff that I don't normally like. 
So um, vegetables, which is everyone's number one, like hated item on a diet is like, and, and I am not a vegetable fan. I, I have like five that I rotate. I, I mean, I know variety is the spice of life, but for me, <laughs> knowing that I can tolerate those five, five vegetables is important to me. And I've tried like new ones here and there. Um, for instance, I, I know it's going to like kill everyone listening, but I don't like potatoes. Like I just wow. don't like them because I, I know, right. I'm like so un-American. I don't like fries. <laughs> like I don't, Wow. <laughs> I just, I don't like them. So, um, so I tried them again just to make sure that I still didn't like them and yeah. I still don't like them. So. Like <laughs> but yeah, so it was important to like, um, you know, retry things that as a kid, I told myself I didn't like, but I wasn't sure. Like I didn't know as an adult because I never tried them again. So, um, well, let me ask, let me ask you this. When you were not tracking your food, when you were overweight, before you were trying to lose weight, how often did you eat vegetables? Um, so I, <laughs> that's a funny question. I served them every night at dinner. You did? I didn't eat them though. Like my kids would eat them, but I wouldn't eat them. So, so were, I served them every night them. at dinner. Oh. Right. I was cooking them. I just wasn't eating them. So, because here's the deal. My kids eat incredibly well, like incredibly healthy. They're willing to try just about anything because I didn't want them to grow up and be like me. So like, <laughs> yeah. So like they are very good vegetable eaters. So I've made one every night, but I would not participate in the vegetable eating. So I have trained myself now to, and I, you know, cooking them different ways. Like growing up, my mom like basically boiled everything. So it was yeah. awful. It was mushy and gross. And <laughs> That's so, one way to ruin so, vegetables, right? <laughs> right. Do not boil your vegetables. Um, so like I've learned different ways to cook them that I enjoy. So like I pretty much roast everything. I mean, yeah. you can just like roasting any vegetable brings out its sweetness mm-hmm. and it gives it that little char. So like, that's just a helpful hint for people who are like, Oh, I don't like vegetables. If you roast vegetables, a roast cauliflower tastes so much different than a boiled cauliflower. Mm-hmm. Like you will be shocked. So yeah, I'm with sure. you there, Mary. I have the exact same experience. I am a, I am a huge believer in the fact that anybody can learn to like vegetables because I did not like them. I was not a vegetable eater. I didn't make myself eat vegetables. And then when I finally just made the decision, like, okay, in order to lose weight, in order to be healthy, vegetables have to be a part of this. I just little Mm -hmm. by little started learning how to do it. Now I have a whole big chunk of the vegetable, I almost said vegetable kingdom. That's not really a phrase, is it? I'm going to call it that though. The vegetable kingdom that (laughs) I do not eat. I do not eat peas. I do not eat green beans. I do not eat lima beans. No, nobody is going to try and convince me that I want any of those things. I don't. And I'm totally cool with the fact that I don't eat those, but I've got so yeah. many that I like now that I wouldn't have eaten nine years ago, would not have eaten any of them. Right. And I, and I eat them every day now. And some of them I literally look forward to, not all of them. Sometimes I just like put my big girl pants on and I'm like, you need to eat some vegetables. But other <laughs> right. times I'm like, I'm really looking forward to my vegetables. So I love hearing that you had a similar experience. Like I'm now a vegetable eater because I know it's what I need to do. Yeah. I mean, and, and that, and that's the other, like the other piece of wisdom that I would give anybody starting out. Sometimes you're just going to have to force yourself to do stuff that you don't want to do. Yeah. Like literally it is literally, uh, that is another thing that people don't like to hear, but you are literally going to have to force yourself to do stuff you don't like to do. I don't like to wake up at four 30 in the morning or four o'clock in the morning to get ready to go to the gym. I hate that. I would much rather sleep. 
you know, because like people are like, oh, wow, you get up so early. You must be a morning person. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I would much rather sleep. It's just I have to force myself to do it. And there's just a crap ton of stuff that you have to force yourself to do in order to, to get on track and to stay on track. And I, it's, it's hard. It's, and they're going to be hard things. They're going to be things that you don't really want to, like tracking calories and weighing food because it's tedious and it takes time. And, you know, it's, yeah. When <laughs> so you wake up the, to do stuff. When you wake up in the morning now, is it a struggle or is it now just so ingrained? Like, this is just what I do. Like, even though I'm not a morning person either. So I get what you're saying. Like, so when your alarm goes off and it's time to get up, is it a struggle or are you just like getting up? So it depends on the morning. This morning I've had a little like stiff neck. So this morning I could totally use like another hour sleep just to kind of feel like I slept that off. But like most mornings alarm goes off and it's the routine. Like I just get up. It's, it's, it's neutral. It's not that I don't like it or like it. It's mm -hmm. just what I do. Um, and so that's what it's become. When we first started, I hated it a little bit, um, like really hated it, but we've been doing it at this time for gosh, more than 18 months. So it's really just kind of become what we do. So it's not good or bad. It's built that. What do you think built that momentum for you to go from, I do not get up and I certainly don't get up and exercise that early to, I am now getting up to exercise. It's four. Do you do four or three days? How many days do you do it? I do. I do four days. Um, four days so a I week. Monday, Wednesday, yeah, it's Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday, and I do get up at that early on Saturday. Like, everyone's like, why don't you sleep in? I'm like, well, I do it because, for two reasons. First of all, it's just easier because that's what we do the other days of the week, so it's just more consistent to just keep getting up at that time. But the other, the other reason is that there's no one there at 5 a.m., so yeah. I don't have to share anything. No one gets in my way. <laughs> That's definitely <laughs> it's, it's good. kind of selfish, you know? Yeah. So that's, that's the other reason is a little more selfish, but, um, did you struggle yeah, so, in the beginning? Did you struggle to get there? To get up? No, um, I don't think so. I, I, I don't remember. It's been so long. I mean, I'm sure that I was just sort of like, I did the groan. I'm sure I did. Oh, you know, <laughs> it's, it's already four o'clock, you know, I feel like I just laid my head on the pillow. I've never struggled with having bad sleep. Like I'm a really good sleeper. So, um, like I know lots of people, especially women my age struggle with that as they start like entering perimenopause and premenopause and stuff like that. I don't really, I don't know what will happen when I enter that, but right now I'm a really good sleeper. I don't have a problem sleeping. So Amazing. when that alarm goes off, it's like, gosh, man, <laughs> I just want to sleep some more sort of thing. But, um, I mean, I don't really remember if it was like so hard that I didn't want to do it. I think I'm just kind of one of those people where if, if someone tells me to do something, I do it. And so I was just telling myself, this is what we're doing now. And just kind of following through with that. Like I said, it's just kind of one of those things where you have to force yourself to do it, whether or not you like it. And, and, and eventually it does become neutral. It's, it's neither good nor bad. It becomes what just simply what you do. It's so. what you do. It's like brushing your teeth. Yeah. Like I'm not going to like, like brushing your teeth. big battle in my mind today. <laughs> am I going to brush or am I not? I'm just brushing my teeth. I don't get excited to That's brush right. my teeth or it's <laughs> happening. And so you just said, this is what we're going to do to yourself. And you did it. That's amazing. Yeah. That's, that's, well, it's, you know, we tell, we tell our kids like in the case of brushing your teeth, you brush the teeth that you want to keep. So I guess in this case, you would say you get up early to keep the body that you want to keep. So. Yeah, I love that, Mary. I love that. I absolutely love that. So look, I want to tell everybody about what we've been chatting about in DMs. So a few months ago, yeah. I randomly posted um, 
a picture of my oatmeal bowl one morning. Um, it had the tiniest bit of oatmeal left. It was about three bites, but I was done eating. And I don't know, and I do that all the time, and I don't know why that particular morning I decided to start a little chat about this. And so I put a picture up and I'm like, hey, if you had three bites left and you'd already logged your oatmeal for the morning, would you eat it? And I got so many replies. I had so many replies about this oatmeal. <laughs> a lot of them being, uh, yeah, I'm eating it. It's mine. I logged it. That's my food, right? <laughs> Right, right. A lot of them being like, yeah, I'm going to eat it because, you know, that's what I do. I clean my plate. That's how I grew up. It's hard for me. I don't want to waste. So I decided eventually to make a post about it. And you and I started talking in the DMs about it. So talk to us about your experience. Like, why did, why did that even come into your head as like, hmm, this is interesting? Because then later on, you actually gave it a go. So kind of tell talk us through that. So, yeah, like, I think that I am probably like 95% of American, even worldwide, you know, human beings who grew up with parents who grew up less well off than they were raising their children. And with their parents being in the same condition coming from like the um, Great Depression and things like that, where food was scarce, and you, you know, you ate what was given to you, and you ate it all, because otherwise it was wasteful. So, Coming up through generations of that, that message was pressed into me at every meal, like every meal. It wasn't just finish your dinner. It was you finish your food, no matter what meal it was. And um, do you want me to tell the story I told you in the yeah. DM? Is yeah, that absolutely. okay? Yeah. So, <laughs> so um, I have this very distinct memory of going to Ponderosa. And if anyone out there doesn't know what Ponderosa is, it, at the time, I don't even think they still exist. I don't know. I don't, but, I don't um, think so. <laughs> so what it was, was you would go in and you would go to this cashier and you would order a steak and a potato. And then there was a buffet that you would eat from before they brought you your food. And it wasn't just a salad bar. Like they had all sorts of sides and things like that. And we didn't go out to eat very often when I was a kid because my dad is very cheap. <laughs> he's yeah. not so much anymore, but growing up, he's just very frugal. And so we just didn't go out to eat that often. And um, so when we did, it was, it was a special occasion. And uh, they had ordered me my meat and my potato. And I think I was probably nine or 10, maybe. I can't remember. I, I mean, I definitely remember it happening. I just don't remember exactly what age I was, probably nine or 10. And um, they, they let me get my own plate from the buffet. And I just remember like, when you walk into a buffet, if you're a fan of those places, you just see all this stuff and you're like, oh, I got to have that and that and that. And it, you know, came back to the table and I had my plate piled high with all this delicious looking food. And I ate about half of it. And I was so full, like vomited full. And my dad looked at me and he was not kind. And, and I don't think he was trying to be unkind, but he was trying to be just very firm with me that we're paying money for that and you're going to eat it. And you're going to eat what we ordered for you too. Like just very stern with me. And basically sat there and watched while I finished what was on the plate. Didn't, he did not 
force me to eat the steak and potato because I think my mom kicked him under the table. Or oh, you, know, you know, she's not going to, she's going to throw up in the car. Don't, don't yeah. make her eat that, you know, sort of thing. But like from that moment on, I got that, me- like that message was driven into me that when it's put in front of you, you eat it and you eat every last bite because food is money. Like that's, you know, food is money. Food is and money. So, um, food is money. And it, it just, it, over time that twisted itself into six donuts at a time because I bought the donuts. And even though like, so pricing in America, I don't know how it is around the world, but pricing in America, the more you buy, the cheaper it gets. Mm-hmm. So when you go to buy donuts, even though you might only want one donut, the donut shop is going to say, well, you can have one donut for $2 or you can have six donuts for $4, mm-hmm. you know? And so I would be like, all right, well, I'll get the six donuts for $4 cause that's arguably cheaper. Yeah. <laughs> but then I wouldn't want, I wouldn't eat just the one or two donuts. I would say, well, I've spent the $4 on these donuts. These donuts are money. I'm going to eat them. Yeah. Yeah. And so it, and so that just kind of built through my whole, my whole life. And then it got almost worse when my husband lost his job because we went from him making a really good stable federal salary for 15 years to food stamps in 30 days. Wow. And so like, and food stamps, then they don't give you a lot of money. Like it's $5 a person per day for your family is what the average is. And so feeding seven people on basically like, I don't know, seven or $800 a month, like our food budget when he had his good job was about $2,000 a month Mm -hmm. for seven people. So like, that's a huge difference in trying to like feed everyone's bellies and make sure there's enough for everybody. Um, And so during that time period, it got even worse because it was like, I you know, toward the end of the month, we weren't sure if we would make it that three or four extra days with what we had. And so, I mean, I, I was visiting food pantries. Like you want to humble yourself, go to a food pantry. Cause (laughs) I mean, people there are very sweet and very gracious, but it's, it's hard. It's a hard thing to have to humble yourself to do. So, um, you know, just to make ends meet. So when that happens to you, it, I almost felt like what my grandparents must've felt like, because it was like food is money and it's a resource and we can't throw it away. So it got, you know, it, it definitely got worse during that time period. That's that. And that makes perfect sense because food is money and now money is so scarce. Right. And so Mm -hmm. of course it would make it harder. So, okay. So then Mary then sent me a picture in this DM of her it was, uh, was it stir fry? It was some kind of Asian food because there were chopsticks. Yeah, sure. I think it was, I can't remember what it was. It was yeah, like it Asian was, salad. There was like lettuce and like, and there was Yeah. Food. Oh, it was, it was a poke bowl. It was a poke bowl. It was a poke bowl. It was, it was a poke bowl. Yeah. Okay. And so we food out. So that's why it was such a big deal. <laughs> yes. And there wasn't a ton of food. She wasn't wasting like a massive amount. So there were a couple of little bites left and she actually used the hashtag, hashtag bites left behind. So Mary, what was that like? And you said to me, this was hard. So tell us about that. Tell us about like deciding to leave the bites behind. Why did you decide to do it? How did that feel? So, you know, after you posted that, I started to become like a lot more mindful of how I felt as I was eating, like how I felt physically, not really emotionally, but just how I felt physically. And, um, I, I, 
I have eaten past, even, even in a deficit, even losing fat, I have eaten past the point of comfort many times mm. because I wanted to finish what was in front of me yeah. and it fit into my calories for the day. So, um, it, so in that particular instance, I was, I was just, I was literally thinking about your post and I was like, huh, yeah, I've got like three bites left and they were, you know, healthy bites, but I was like, I really don't want to eat these. Like, I just feel full, (laughs) you know, I feel full and I don't, I don't feel emotionally full. I feel physically full. Like if I eat these, I'm going to feel gross, you know? So, um, but because we were eating, it was food out. I was like, but we spent money on this. Like it was, it was a real struggle to like, not just quickly eat those three bites. So yeah, it was a little weird for me but I've been doing it more often. (laughs) That's, it's really impressive. It's a hard thing to do. So I put, so I asked Mary if it would be okay. Actually, you volunteered. You're like, Hey, if you want to share this with anybody, you know, feel free. And I'm like, okay, not only do I want to share it in my stories, I want to put that in my feed. And so I did. And I got so many comments from people and their stories were fascinating. And there was this common thread there. There were people who said, you know, I would sit at dinner and if I didn't want to eat it and tried to not eat it, my parents would show me pictures of children starving in Africa. Like they would oh, literally, yeah. they would literally <laughs> get pictures out and show them that. There were other people. I know I read that. Did you read that, right? There were other people <laughs> yeah. who said, um, uh, my parent, my dad's parents grew up in Nazi occupied Holland and didn't have enough food. And so he grew up having to eat the food that they gave him. And he would sit and make sure I ate. And it was, they would sit for hours, she said, at the table sometimes because she didn't want to eat anymore. And she would have to stay until she ate. And so he would sit and watch her until she ate every last bite of that food. And so, and you know, the experiences went on and on with this common theme yeah. of in childhood, people were made to feel like you got to eat it all. You have to clean your plate for mostly reasons of either money or fear that, you know, that there's not going to be enough food or there hadn't been enough food in the past, or you're wasting, you're just plain out wasting. Um, and a lot of these people are overweight and struggling to lose weight and they're not at all paying attention to, they don't even understand what it feels like to be satisfied eating because that's not what they think about. They, they put their food on their plate or they buy it and there's the plate. So that's their food and they should eat the food. Yeah. Well, and I, yeah, absolutely. I I was reading through those stories as they were being posted and I'm just like, I, it's, and what's really sad about it in the end to me is that most parents, most grandparents, they're doing it because they care about us. Like they're not doing it because they're angry that we're not eating. Mm -hmm. They're doing it because it's, it's a place of love. They want to make sure that we're full and we're nourished. But the problem is, is that is kind of like I said before, it's not, it's not finishing my dinner that made me obese. It was the way that that translate, because if I finished my dinner every night, and that was the only thing that I did was finish all my three meals during the day, I would not have been 277 Mm -hmm. pounds. Mm -hmm. It's, it's the idea that it translates to the other food that we're like buying and eating during the day. And so, um, like, but the, but the, I, you know, going back to the reasons behind people doing it, like as parents, they're doing it because they care, like they're doing it because they want to see us healthy. And, and I think maybe that's, 
in the end, what might be the most damaging thing about it, because you know that these people love you and you want to make them happy. So yeah, yeah. And then it becomes completely subconscious. Like you don't even think about this yep. anymore. Like, well, why do I do that? And that was, as these people were messaging and we were going back and forth, they were starting to realize like, this is not helping me because I don't at all think ever about wait, am I still hungry? Do I feel satisfied? Because that's not the cue. The, the cue is, is the plate clean? And right. it came from this really good place in their parents or their grandparents or their aunts or their uncles, whoever it was, it came from this good place. But what it has led to is the fact that they are completely out of touch with their body's hunger signals and their fullness signals. And learning to um, get back in touch with those can be, can be tricky. Has it been hard for you or has that been easy for you to navigate? Uh, you mean like reading my own hunger cues at this yeah. point? Yeah. So it's, uh, I have, so for me right now, because I'm back in a deficit, um, because I kind of cycle myself through maintenance calories and deficit right now, I'm back in a deficit. So it's, it's easier for me to clean my plate when I'm in a deficit because I, I'm, you know, measuring everything. I know exactly how much I'm eating. It's when I'm like trying to do maintenance or even like go a little bit above to try to maybe gain some muscle and things like that. Like that's when it becomes a little harder because that's when I really do have to pay attention to um, fullness and because I don't want to over consume. So, um, and that is sometimes a little difficult. I have to, what I have tried to start doing is while I'm, when I'm toward the end of a meal, I put my fork down. Mm. And I just sit for a little bit instead of like having it in my hand, because that can become compulsion also. Like literally, if you fork your spoon is in your hand, you're going to just start scooping up food and eating it. So yeah, I yeah. will put, yeah. So I'll put the fork down and I'll just kind of sit for a minute. It takes your stomach a little while to, um, to, to send its fullness signals to your brain. Yeah. I, I think the generic guideline is like 20 minutes. I don't know if that's scientific or not, but I do know it takes some time. So I will sit like as I'm getting toward the end of a meal and this is whether or not it's at home or it's out eating somewhere and I'll just kind of sit with it and see how I feel. Um, and, and usually if I have between three and four bites, not, and I don't mean tiny bites, I mean like healthy bites left on the plate. I have found in, in practicing that, that I don't need those last bites. So if I'm in a deficit, I'll finish because that I am met, like I said, I'm being very precise with how much food is on my plate then. Mm -hmm. So I want to finish it because I'm, I know that I'm already in a deficit. I don't need to create a more of a deficit if that makes any sense. Um, but, uh, but yeah, like when I'm not the, in July, I, I wasn't. And so I was kind of doing that, you know, mindful, I don't, I guess they call it mindful eating, but, you know, just kind of sitting and, and figuring out what it feels like to feel satisfied, what it feels like to feel full, what it feels like to feel kind of gross, which I should have been more familiar with because I did it more often than not. But yeah, um, well, yeah. I really, I like the advice about slowing down, putting your fork down and waiting to see when you have some bites left, whether you actually you know, are, are in need of, of having that food that can actually be the difference between somebody losing weight and not losing weight. And when we speed through our meal, um, we don't give ourselves a chance to even notice. Right. And so I love that. Right. Um, so, and you know, another thing that really helps is eating undistracted because when we are in front of the computer, in front of our phone, um, 
we're also not being able to be in tune with that. So slowing down and really eating in an undistracted manner, an undistracted manner can really help. So a person can be able to tune into like, okay, how is my body feeling? Am I hungry? Am I satisfied? Do I feel stuffed? Right. Yeah. I don't, um, I don't eat very rarely do I eat away from a table of some sort. So whether I'm at a restaurant or whether I'm at home, I'm almost always at a table. Occasionally I'll take my breakfast in my bedroom cause I'm running late and I'm trying to get ready to go and like get everyone else ready to go. Um, but even then, like I set it on my dresser and I stand at the table, like, which is my dresser. Um, <laughs> but I never like sit, I very rarely sit like in front of the TV and like just consume, uh-huh. you know, I just, I just don't, I just don't do that. Um, because doing that, I have found my hand at the, you know, the bottom of a bowl of chips, like faster than. Yeah, you know. absolutely. <laughs> because you, you are, you're just sitting there just consuming. And then you're like, gosh, they're gone already. Like, who ate, who ate <laughs> so, my chips? Who ate all these? <laughs> right. And there's right. no one else there. Oh, <laughs> My 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 food baby says it's me. <laughs> <laughs> my food baby indicates I ate the chips. That's right. another, that's yeah. a really good strategy as well. Like giving yourself a bright line that I eat food at tables. I don't eat food wandering yeah. around the house. I don't eat food in the car. I don't eat food in front of the TV. I eat I eat food at tables. That's a really, really Oh yes, for the for the love of God, don't eat food in the car. Like just <laughs> first first I mean, I'm serious, like first of all, it's dangerous, especially if you're driving. <laughs> It's it's true, but, but like eating on the run is really terrible for us. Like I didn't really realize how that, I mean, I get that like sometimes you do what you got to do when you're a busy wife, busy mom, busy person in general, you just, yeah. you know, sometimes it happens, but try not to make a practice out of it. Um, first of all, for me, if I was eating in the car, it was usually because I was trying to hide what I was eating. Mm. So, um, so like, I didn't want anyone to see that I was eating like this double cheeseburger and like onion rings. Like I didn't want anyone to see that. So like for me, it was super important to not, to not really eat in the car because I, so even though no one's watching me eat, like literally no one's watching me eat. Yeah. I felt more accountable for what I was putting in my mouth um, when I wasn't eating in the car. So, cause I would eat in the car a lot. I mean, I got five kids at the time, three of them played baseball all at the same time in the same season. So like I was in, I was on the road a, a lot. Um, so yeah, don't eat in the car. <laughs> it's an interesting point you make that a lot of secret eating does go on in cars. I have found that with clients and with myself, when I was overweight, I used to go to the store and buy, I don't know. Do you have tasty cakes where you are? You ever heard of tasty? We do. Okay. Yeah, we, we do. Tasty the cakes from Crimpet. Yeah. Yes. So tasty cakes are made yeah. here in Philadelphia. Um, yeah. used to be they, you couldn't get them out outside of this area. They're, they're expanding. And I loved tasty cakes. My very favorite was the tasty Claire pie. And so it was like a Boston okay. donut, but in a pie shape. And there, there are a lot of calories. I want to go, I want to go four to 500 calories per pie. And I would buy multiple pies and I would sit in the grocery store parking lot and eat the pies. Um, uh-huh because I didn't want people to know I was eating all the pie and I would stress eat that way. And I had stopped doing it actually for years and I had lost quite a bit of weight and started to gain some back. And then after my dad died, I started it up again. I would sit and eat pie and it was completely emotional eating. And I think a lot of people go through the drive-thru and sit in their car and eat and then throw away the bags because they don't want people to see it. So yeah, I, yeah. Think, I think not eating in cars is a, is a really, is a really good bright line as well. 
So, okay, major um, topic shift here. We're going to go from nutrition to strength <laughs> training. So, okay. as we were talking about at the beginning, Mary and I met in person for the first time this summer in Austin, Texas. Our um, friend Jordan Syatt hosted his his retreat. And one of the things we got to do was have a big group workout. And I was happily present when Mary um, hit a big PR. I, I was helping Jordan coach people up on deadlifts. So Mary, talk to, tell us about what happened that day and why you were so emotional. Um, it was a oh, really big, it was a big moment for you and you pushed through it, some fear. I did. I was being so ridiculous though. Like yeah, you were not being ridiculous. It was very, it was very real and very raw. Cause I'd been watching her thinking, what's going on with her? Like, cause I'd been kind of just out of the corner of my eye seeing you. I'm thinking she's really upset. Like what's happened? Why is she like that? What, what has happened to her? Well, yeah, because, okay. So I have been going strength training like for almost two years when we went to Austin. So there should be nothing about it that I'm fearful of. Like I've done it all. As a matter of fact, this is a great opportunity to be coached by like several people who knew way more about all of it than I knew. And so I was like, but, and I was, it was so weird because I was fine going into the weekend thinking, okay, well, yay, we're going to do this. It's going to be a fantastic gym. It'll be so great. And then like on the drive over there, I like all of a sudden was like, I'm going to have to do this in front of these people. Like there is not, cause I, I, I just told you, I go to the gym when it's empty. Like there's no one there, maybe one, two people who come as regulars and they're cardio people. Like they don't, they're not in the weight section. So it just, I, I think I just started overthinking it. Like, oh my gosh, all these people are going to be staring at me. It's going to be like being on a stage. They're going to be watching me. They're going to be judging me. And like, not like, and, and no one would have done that. And the only like judging that would have gone on would have been a critique of what I was doing, which would have been good for me. Right. But like my brain was like, they're going to think you suck and you, you're going to, you're going to be exposed as the fraud you are mm. like that. And, and, and I'm, I've worked very hard in the last couple of years to not talk to myself like that, but it was just like, I don't know, this weird crushing moment. And so we got in there and I kind of tried to play it off. Like I was like, Oh, well, you know, yeah, it's nice. It's a great gym. And then all of a sudden I saw Jordan and Susan there and I burst into tears <laughs> And I hate crying. Like, I don't want to cry, let alone cry in front of anybody. So I I was just like, I was, you know, I was like, okay, I'm going to go like collect myself because clearly I am losing my mind. And um, I I kind of, you know, dried my tears and, you know, kind of stood there watching everyone get excited and warming up. I'm just sort of standing there. And the lovely Nia Shanks came over and she was like, Hey, you know, would you feel more comfortable if we worked on stuff together one-on-one in the back? And I was like, thank you, Jesus, for sending this woman here. (laughs) So um, she took me in back and we worked on, um, actually we worked on some things. Uh, One thing I had never done before, she taught me how to do it. And I worked on bench press, which I is not my strongest um, lift. So I, um, you know, was glad to have that. I mean, now how many people can say that they have had a personal in-person training lesson with Mia Shanks? Like, I know that's quite the way I to learn. Feel like, 
Right. I feel like I'm special. Like I'm not, but (laughs) for those of you who um, don't know, Nia is uh, just a world-class coach. She has an amazing book called lift like a girl. And if you want to learn how to strength train, if you're a woman at all interested, actually, even if you're not a woman, if you're a man interested, (laughs) let me have strength train better. You can check out her book. Um, She's amazing. And she got to coach Mary in person. Right. So it was, that was very exciting. So, um, and then after I did that for a while, she taught me um, overhead presses, like standing overhead presses. I'd never done those before because I was afraid that I was going to hurt myself. So um, she taught me how to do those safely and the right way, which is great. Um, And so then I just kind of wandered out to where everyone was deadlifting and I was kind of trying to wait for everyone to kind of get done so that they would abandon that area a little bit. Um, and, and that kind of happened, of course, like, I don't know how many of us were there, were like 50 people there. So it was never like truly empty, but there were fewer. So finally, like Jordan kind of motioned to me and I was like, ah, oh, geez, I, <laughs> I'm going to have to do this, aren't I? So, um, <laughs> so I went up and in the session that morning, I had, you know, I had said like, I have been stuck at like 185 for like forever. I think I had gotten to like 200 for like one rep and then basically had to slide back to 185 and had been you know deadlifting that steadily for a long time and he was like and during that session he was like I today you're gonna you're gonna do more than that like you're gonna set a PR today so I was thinking like okay I'll he'll get me to 205 or whatever which would have been exciting and great um, and so I did, I don't remember how many practice ones you, you were there helping him kind of load and stuff, yeah, but, um, I, I don't remember how many practices. I think he started me at like 185 and then he threw on a more, more, and I did a couple more at a different, like higher weight. And then the next thing I know, he was like, don't look down. Like he was telling me, no, don't look down there. Um, and you and he were both putting on weight and all I could hear were the plates like sliding on. <laughs> like, and then he was like, okay, one more. And I'm like, what? You know, it, but I don't do math well anyway. I could have looked down. I would have never figured out how much it was. <laughs> yeah, but, true. <laughs> so, and then he went and he stood in front of me and he looked at me and he's like, do you trust me? And I was like, well, I guess so. <laughs> and I, bent down and it was a little struggle but I lifted it and I put it back down and he came and gave me a big hug and everyone's congratulated he says in my ear he's like that was 220 and that's a huge PR oh that's a huge PR going from like basically steadily at 185 jumping all the way to 220 in like one session yeah it's huge I haven't been able to do 220 again but I just finished his deadlift domination program and after the six weeks I got to 215 so for me that was excellent yeah yeah. That's amazing. So, but yeah, I mean, but that like, I had not felt gym fear like that since the first time I stepped into the gym. Yeah. And it was, it was so weird for me to feel that way because in my gym, I'm very confident, you know, <laughs> you know, I'm in my gym and my familiar surroundings and I'm not around people. And I, you know, but now that I've done that, I think I'm going to take your advice and go and see a powerlifting me and then see if, if I think I can do it. Heck yeah. I've been okay. looking into I'm it. Smiling. <laughs> I'm so big right now, Mary. I'm smiling. So big right now. 
that would be that would be amazing. And what a way to like kind of bust through that fear of like, oh, people watching me than to get on um, the platform and have an audience watching you. (laughs) Right, right. You're like going big or going home here. That's amazing. I will say um, powerlifting, the powerlifting community is so supportive. Um, I've never been anywhere at any kind of sporting event where uh, the competitors cheered each other on as fiercely as they do in powerlifting. Um, You know, strangers, you know, patting each other on the back and telling you did such a good job and giving you tips and helping you, you know, and they're the people you might be competing against. It's amazing. It is such a, it's such um, just a spirit of we're all doing this. So I can't wait to go see. I just have to, there's so many different places that you can look to like, um, you know, find events and things like that. So I'm, it's a little overwhelming, but I've kind of been sifting through and I think there's some like in Northern Virginia. So yeah, I might, I might, I'm going to go see one first. Cause that was your suggestion to go, go view one first, go look yeah, at it, see absolutely. how it kind of goes. So, and absolutely. I think that that will make me feel more comfortable to, to kind of see how things are run and what to expect. I think, I think that is my biggest thing is that I am, I don't know if you know anything about the Enneagram, but I am an Enneagram type five, which is a researcher and someone who likes to know what's going on. Like, I am not a girl you want to throw a surprise party for. Because <laughs> I, like, I like to know what's going on, what steps we're taking to get there, how we're getting there. Yeah. You know, I like to know all of that. And, like, going into that situation, like, I had no idea. I knew what we were there for, but I didn't know how that was going to be accomplished. And it just, it made me panic. It was, mm-hmm. it was just really weird. So yeah, it happens to the best of us, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And I love that you just pushed through your fear and now you're like taking it the next, to the next level here. Um, Okay. So powerlifting meet prep, uh, going to see one is, is, uh, is on. Let me know how that goes. I'm super excited for you. I will, but I am going to hold you to, you're going to come like, if I compete, you're going to come and like, oh yeah. I'll find, I'll find one that's in yeah. driving distance. We don't live too terribly far away yeah. from each other. No, so. we don't. We don't at all. Absolutely. <laughs> I, will come, I will come and be your handler for the day. Um, all right. Get you through your meet. 100%. I would love to do that. You can hold me to that for, for sure. <laughs> well, Mary, look, this has been fantastic. I really think people are going to listen to this and be inspired about all the things that we just spoke here. Lifting heavy, you know, not not keeping their uh, card for the clean plate club membership, uh, that they can actually lose mass quantities of weight, all of it. It's amazing. By the way, I need you to start thinking about something. So you, your hashtag bites left behind. Amazing. I love Mm -hmm. the alliteration. It's causing too much. It's causing too much drama. It's taking away from, I keep trying to use it because I like it. And I end up just with these long discussions about like, okay, we're not encouraging you to throw a lot of food in the garbage. Everyone's like, (laughs) wants to talk to me about I'm it's ruining right, the planet and I'm, I'm like, okay, you're, you're missing the point. I'm thinking, all right, I need something else that's clever that I, I don't know <laughs> about mindful eating or hunger. I don't know. I got to think of, I got to think of a better hashtag. It's such an important subject and I don't want to get lost into the weeds of like, I'm wasting right. people to like, you know, waste food purposely. Anyway. Right. Yeah. So I thought about food. that. Yeah. So that, that's your, that's your homework assignment. Um, All right. I work on it. <laughs> thank you so much for being here. Um, it has been a pleasure. All right. Thank you for having me. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for being here and listening in to the Fitness Simplified podcast today. I hope you found it educational, motivational, inspirational, all the kinds of ational. <laughs> 
If you enjoyed it, if you found value in it, it would mean so much to me if you would go ahead and leave a rating and review on whatever platform you are listening to this on. It really does help to get this podcast to other people. Thanks so much.